eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell. Also of Dogs 24-7, we're live on YouTube. Subscribe. Give us a subscription here, guys. Click that subscribe button. Join Do us it. every week. We're here four times a week, three times during the week, once after the game. Uh, we're having a lot of fun. We're loving this. Today, we've got uh, Wednesday leans. Where are we leaning on this Georgia-Auburn matchup? We're going to talk. I'm going to pose a question to the guys. Uh, a hypothetical, obviously, but it's going to be a fun one. Uh, um, you know, I think I think Kit might be a little bit nervous about it. He said he was worried about getting exposed on this one. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what that really means, but maybe he'll explain it to us here in just a little bit. And then second half of the show is mailbag. Straight up mailbag from the junkyard over at Dogs 24-7. To, hey, listen, if, you haven't, uh, if you're not a subscriber already, two months for $1. Give us a shot. $1 gets you two months, going to get you all the way through the regular season, all the wow. way up until the early signing period. Like, not quite there, but right there in the range. You, you can decide at that point whether you want to stick around or not. Two months for $1. Less than two cents a day. Come give us a shot. But, guys, listen, it's Wednesday, middle of the week, hump day. Uh, where are you leaning, Rusty, on this Georgia-Auburn game? As far as your pick, we're going to make that tomorrow, so we don't have to marinate on this. You don't have long to change your mind if you're going to do it after today. Where are you leaning right now? couple things I think that uh, is a little bit different this week is I thought it was a great point where you saying Stetson Bennett, you know, who we anticipate starting right now, um, first real true road game at Georgia. And second disclaimer, I do not have on lipstick. I'm drinking a energy drink, and it makes me look like I've got on some lipstick. So before I get comments over here from the guys, uh, I do think uh, – I do think – I still like Georgia's defensive line matchup there. Um, I just against their offensive line. I think our edge guys. If you're talking about Georgia, I think the guys there um, have a little bit better. Um, it's just a little bit. It's a tougher matchup for Auburn there. I watched the game last night. Adam Anderson. They brought him all kind of different ways. And what what Jake? What we have seen Georgia do with Adam Anderson, starting a couple of years ago with Missouri, where they would act, basically put him at middle backer, middle linebacker. And he would act two ways, as a spy, and they would bring him just different ways, different pressures. They did that a couple of times against Auburn last year. A couple of sacks he had, a couple of quarterback pressures really gave, you know, Auburn some fits. So, you know, I kind of like that matchup. I think the interesting matchup is, is, is Georgia's offensive line against Auburn's defensive line. I think, again, this week is going to be the tell of the tape kind of can, um, you know, 
Moultrie, is he 100%? Owen Papo, does he play this week? He makes things differ for Auburn in that front seven. So I think if that's kind of the early things, the advantage I like for Georgia again, and kind of the thing, I, I you know, you got to find out, can Georgia establish the run again and kind of offset what Auburn wants to do? Because it's going to be a totally different game plan this week. Derek Mason is going to try to stop the run. He is not going to go with three down linemen. They're going to stack the box, and they're going to make Georgia take some shots to beat them. Well, Rusty, according to to the great, to the long time, to the to the old head Philip Marshall, the man who's been around the block and seen it a million All times, TD time. Moultrie is is actually dealing with a compliance issue. Um, I was reading up on Philip this morning. His guess is that TD Moultrie will not be available. A former five star prospect who has found that. a home on the defensive line and has played really well this year. So Auburn could be without them. I think Owen Papo is probably going to be a little bit of a game time decision type deal, maybe like he was last week. Did not dress last week against LSU despite making the trip. Uh, we'll see if he plays because you're right. He does make them different. And, and I think he may be. You know, it's tough. I say this all the time. I say this a bunch of times on the show. Covering running backs and tight ends for linebackers is 95 99% of the time going to be a mismatch. And Owen Papo is one of those guys that gives you the ability to maybe match up there better than most linebackers do. So we'll see if he's actually going to play in this game. I think that one's a big one too. But, Rusty, one of the things that you pointed out, Adam Anderson, you know, one of the things I've seen Georgia do this year with Adam Anderson, seen him do it with Channing Tindall, and I've seen him do it a lot with N'Kobe Dean, they turn their linebackers into running backs. They say, hey, stand back here, watch it open up, and go hit it. And that's what they do. And uh, so that's that. you're right. That is a very interesting aspect to this one. And if Georgia's going to do that, they're going to need to hold those edges, keep Bo Nix in the pocket, because he'll make a man miss and run around forever back there. And uh, and Georgia's – you know, you can tell Kirby Smart's concerned about that. You know, it. Georgia fans may not be concerned about it. Georgia fans may be right. You know, coaches get concerned about stuff all the time that doesn't end up being a big issue for them. But when you place emphasis on it during the week and you get after it and you emphasize it, then then you 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 lessen the chances oftentimes of that becoming a problem. Um, but but interesting analysis there on the lines of scrimmage, and and I couldn't agree with you more. I see this almost as like a. Um, you know, like, I, like I've said before, I think Georgia's offensive line is the silver bullet in this game for Georgia. If Georgia comes out and runs the football, runs the football effectively, obviously if it dominates running the football, I think they run right over Auburn. Uh, but if Georgia can come out and do it effectively and do it consistently, um, then I, I think it's going to be very tough to beat uh, the Bulldogs in this game, road game or not. Kip, where are you leaning on this fine, rainy Wednesday? I think this is going to be a battle of who can – you know, who can stay ahead of the sticks? I think the goal for both these teams is going to be to get the other team behind the sticks and, and see what happens there. I think Auburn's going to be very aggressive. I mean, we've seen we've seen teams try to attack Georgia's offense in different ways, and each one of them tends has kind of played into Georgia's game plan for the most part. And I think with Auburn's defense, yeah, what they're going to try to do is they're going to be aggressive. They're going to try to get in Stetson Bennett's face, assuming he's a starter, which it looks like he will be. And they're going to try to, to see if they can get him to make mistakes. I mean, George is obviously going to try to, you know, try to do the same thing and try to contain Bo Nix. Like I said earlier, they, you know, they've had some experience against some, some mobile quarterbacks this year, but it's been limited. Like I said, Mike Wright, uh, a limited action Malik Hornsby for Arkansas limited action Vanderbilt and Arkansas quarterbacks who could run Bo Nix is just 
he might be the best mobile quarterback in the SEC right now, just a guy that can make things happen. We obviously saw one of the best plays of the whole year last week against LSU, just him every single time they thought they had him wrapped up. You know, he would just pop out of that and, and make a play downfield. Uh, I don't think we've really had to see Georgia's wide receivers react in that way. You know, if, if Stetson Bennett's having to – to kind of get loose in the pocket there and, and make something happen down the field. How well can Georgia's wideouts, you know, improvise and break off the route and, and get open for him? That's what Auburn is going to try to do to Georgia. Unlike Rusty, even though Auburn's offensive line has been one of the better units in the country and in the SEC as far as making sure that, you know, they're not allowing sacks or, or, or tackles in the back in the backfield, they haven't seen Georgia's defense. And I think that, you know, when you combine that with Georgia's offensive line playing pretty well, it still gives Georgia the battle as far as that line of scrimmage is concerned. I think it's interesting, you know, Bo Nix, Auburn's quarterbacks in general, they've yet to throw an interception this year. They've thrown more times than Georgia. They've thrown about 30, 40 passes more in Georgia, and they've yet to throw a pick this this year. So, so far, the decision-making for Bo Nix has, has been, been pretty solid and T.J. Finley. I just don't think that their guys are consistent enough to to really move this, you know, move the six and sustain drives against Georgia's defense. But as far as just that, you know, the the kind of the throw it up and pray type offense, they do have kind of that aspect. And you know, we've seen South Carolina kind of had it a little bit too, where they, if coverage breaks down on the the longer plays, you know, maybe Auburn can can have a big play or two. But I, I think it's really just going to come down to. If Stetson Bennett faces some adversity, if he has guys in his face, what kind of decision making will he have? You know, in in a raucous, uh, you know, uh, Auburn environment at Jordan Hare. That's kind of the one thing I, I'm looking at right now. But overall, as far as how it shapes up, you know, Georgia's got a clear advantage on the line of scrimmage, and I think that's going to kind of dictate how this game unfolds. How is Auburn going to react when a team that has run the ball and has really leaned on it this year a lot of times? How are they going to react if they can't run the ball? And it's tough to say. I don't think anybody would come in this game and think, hey, Auburn's going to run the ball all over Georgia or Auburn's even going to run the ball consistently against Georgia. Nobody has really done that in almost three years for Georgia. So can Auburn do that? If Auburn can't, then how is that offense going to react? And how is – how is that going to affect, like you mentioned, Kip, the turnover battle and, you know, forcing the ball? And if Auburn gets made one-dimensional, then what happens? So I, I think those are some really interesting questions that are going to have to be asked. It's probably some interesting questions that Auburn fans are interested to find the answers to at this point in the season because, you know, you're looking at a team here that, based on how they looked against Georgia State, you don't really think, hey, this is an SEC championship caliber team, but – you know, teams get it turned around. You know, we've seen Georgia teams almost lose to Vanderbilt, a bad Vanderbilt team at Vanderbilt, and then come back and be the hottest team in the country. Saw that in 2007. Saw a Georgia team get their brakes beat off by Auburn, a good Auburn team at Auburn near in 2017, get it turned around and make a run in the college football playoff. These things trigger these teams in a good way. And uh, we'll, we'll see what that LSU did win did for Auburn. But And we'll have picks on that coming tomorrow. Rusty, I got a hypothetical for you. Georgia – has three injured wideouts. And before before I get to that, let me do this first. Right now, Stetson Bennett, this, we're taping this on – we're not taping this. We're live here on Wednesday. And if you're listening to this podcast form, we're taping this on Wednesday. Uh, JT Daniels has not gotten very much work the first couple of days this week. He did very little on Monday. He did a little more than very little on Tuesday. 
Okay, so that's where we're at. That's why we're kind of assuming at this point in the week that Stetson Bennett's going to be the starter. Could that change today? Absolutely. Could change tomorrow as well. But right now, Stetson Bennett is assumed to be the starter by us. So that's that little bit of news in case you were wondering, and, and we're trying to get it from here. Kirby Smart also said yesterday that Dominic Blaylock, Marcus Rosemi, Jack Saint, and Arian Smith have a chance to come back this week. All right? So – he said Marcus Rosemi Jack Sane is probably the closest. Rusty, if you, you got those three guys, if you could snap your fingers, if you're Georgian, you could snap your fingers and get one of those guys back, which one would you pick? Oh, well, that's a very good question, Jake. Um, they all bring a little bit different to the table. Based off the amount of reps and what they can do physical, I think Rosemi St. Jack's a guy that, you know, he's just so he's such a physical blocker. Um, he's a big body, you know, 200, 200 pound plus pound guy. You love Aaron Smith and you love what he can bring to it. And it, it makes everybody nervous when he's in the game. And but right now I just haven't seen it. You know, he's made a couple of deep, got a couple of deep balls, but uh, as far as to me looking like a total player, I would go with Rosemary St. Jack right now. Um, just, just because what he can do every single down and just like in the NFL, I mean, you, you, you gotta be able to block. I don't care who you are. You got to be able to block on the edge and run routes and, you know, have strong hands, all those things together. So, you know, it's tough just to say one. Uh, Dominic Blaylock's a guy that, you know, it's going to take a while to get into football shape once he gets back. I mean, he's kind of been banged up. Then he comes back, pulls a hammy, you know, running around in the knee brace. From what I understand, takes the knee brace off and, He's just got to clear some hurdles. And, and listen, it's tough to go through what this young man's went through twice. But as far as strong hands, change of direction, polished route runner, when somebody is healthy, Dominique Blaylock is a flat-out player. and He's going to make Georgia better when he's back and he's able to contribute. But if I had to have one right now, I'd go with Marcus uh, just because I know that what he, he brings kind of what I would call the total package right now. And, and, he, and he was starting. Kev, who is your pick? If if I knew that I could pick one guy to be 100%, it'd definitely be Dominic Blaylock. Just because I want to see that guy back out there going through what he's had to go through, the injuries so far. And, and you know, we're kind of seeing it a little bit now with Arian Smith. We saw it with Karis Jackson, just guys that, you know, seem to go from one injury to the next. And we've already seen Dominic Blaylock go through that. So, if I knew I could get a guy back 100%, it definitely would want to be Dominic Blaylock. And also just because his versatility. I mean, you can put him inside, outside, and, you know, they're they they got they're, they're getting, you know, some good play out of Lad McConkey right now. He's still trying to get Karis Jackson back to 100%. But if I knew I had 100% Dominic Blaylock in there with, you know, with Jermaine Burton and, and A.D. Mitchell on the outside, that would make me feel a lot better about, rolling into you know Jordan Hare Stadium with Stetson Bennett because Dominic Blaylock is the quarterback's best friend. He's the kind of guy that you can just get in the ball. It doesn't have to be 15, 20 yards down the field. You can get in the ball just, you know, right there at the line of scrimmage, five yards, and he he can make something happen. He can make guys miss. He also can get separation, you know, within 10 to 15 yards. He's just that clean of a route runner and and just knows, you know, how to attack a defensive back. So I mean, for me, I just think that overall he's the best overall wide receiver. You know, right now the thought of Arian Smith is kind of greater than what we've seen just because he hadn't been able to get out there and he hadn't been able to really expand his route tree as much. I mean, if he's out there, you know that 
once every two games, you're going to have a 40, 50 yard catch out of him. And it may be a touchdown, which is, you know, obviously huge, but it's kind of in between that where, you know, he might disappear or he might not be able to really make as big of an impact as the other two guys. So I, I think a Marcus Rosemary is obviously the one that's closest to, to being back, but having Dominic Blaylock out there just makes the offense overall better better and it'll help the return game as well he's just the guy that helps you in, in every aspect offense and special teams and I think he's I mean he's the best football player of the group and, and a guy that I, I think that George's offense could really really use if he's able to get back this year and let me let me correct this it's, it's Jack Saint I mean I am guess my Kool-Aid is strong enough this morning so. you got it right the second time it was that first time you got flipped <laughs> I, I mean Jack I mean, I did that yesterday on the radio interview. It's embarrassing. I mean, I, I'm just going to say Marcus Rose and me. I've covered him in high school. We'll add all that in as it goes. So, uh, but hell of a football <laughs> player. And I think that um, I, I think this is a guy that, that can help Georgia immediately uh, when he comes back. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think you go wrong with any of them. Um, so I'm not going to pick. I'm just joking. I am going to pick one. Uh, I, I like the caveat Kit put on there, which is if you. Take him back, take him to full 100%. It's hard to argue with Dominic Blaylock. I mean, especially when you saw what he did the last time he was in Jordan Air Stadium with a 52 yard touchdown catch. He's just a playmaker. I mean, I don't know what he's going to run or what he will run when he's 100% healthy. I know he's not a big guy. I know he's not, you know, going to make 15 people miss and, and, you know, do Peter Warwick type stuff we used to see. Uh, I know I'm throwing that one way back there, but, you know, Peter Warwick was, you know, that kind of guy. He's not that, but he's just, like Kip said, he's a good football player. He breaks a tackle. He does some things. But as is, um, Arian Smith's my guy. And the reason he's my guy is because when you go on the road, you're playing against a team like Auburn. Um, I mean, Arian Smith out of that group is the one that's going to make that place. You know, you're going to be able to hear a pin drop outside of Georgia fans. And he's the guy that you throw him in there. Auburn's trying to come up and play the run. You motion him across the formation in the slot, run a slot fade like they did against UAB. And I know Auburn's not UAB. God, I don't want hate mail from Auburn fans for mentioning UAB and Auburn in the same sense, but, hey, you almost did lose to Georgia State, so whatever. But, um, you know, I think that that he's a guy, he runs that slot fade, he gets the step, he outruns everybody to the end zone. All of a sudden, you know, that's a quiet place, man. That's a really quiet place. And I, I, I like what Rusty had to say about the blocking with, with uh, Rosemary Jack Saint. Um, I, I mean, obviously, Dominic Blaylock, if he is 100% healthy, um, is a playmaker, but I just think Arian Smith kind of changes some things for you. And if you don't respect him, if you don't respect the speed there, then you you're you're playing with fire. And then if you do respect it, it kind of opens some things up for some other folks. And um, you know, I think Georgia may be in a better shape, better position to block you on the perimeter right now than they are to maybe light you up down the field. And uh, I think, uh, you know, Arian Smith is a guy that can kind of do that. And, you know, Stetson Bennett has hooked up with him this year against UAB. So uh, there there might be a little bit of a rapport there. Let's go to a break. On the other side, we're going to do mailbag questions. Get ready. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Let's dig into this mailbag uh, uh, sponsored by Stetson Bennett because he is the mailman, uh, is what we're told. Uh, Munson's broken chair. How many first-team all-SEC players will Georgia have, will Georgia's defense end up with at the end of this season? Rusty, what you got? Because these are kind of tough. It's hard to count in your head on the fly uh, and figure it out. So just start re- rattling them off for us. Uh, I'm very confident that Jordan Davis and the Kobe Dean will be first team. Um, probably Devontae Wyatt. Uh, it's just according, you know, it's according if you're, you know, you're talking about writers or coaches. Coaches watch more tape than everybody. You know, Keely Ringo right now is a guy that hasn't been tested a lot. Is he shutting down the field or is he not getting reps because nobody has time to throw? So, uh, you know, Lewis Seen has not had to make a ton of plays because there's not people breaking through the freaking second level on Georgia. You know, so we're going to find out, but as, as what I've seen so far, uh, Trayvon Walker is a guy that I think coaches will understand what he does and how he impacts the game. And, you know, with him dropping in coverage, that tip ball he had the day was crazy uh, back in coverage. So uh, I, I'm fairly confident Jordan Davis, N'Kobe Dean, Devontae Wyatt would be first team all SEC uh, at, at a minimum. Now, there's a lot of things can happen between now and then. And Georgia's got a lot of freaking players uh, that's going to be candidates. So, uh, there's a, some big time games down the line, but so far I'd be very confident defensively in those three. Yeah, I'd uh, just to kind of shorten this up, I think I'd throw Adam Anderson in there as well. I think Adam Anderson's probably going to end up in there because I think I think Adam's probably going to end up with 11, 12, maybe 13 sacks this year. Yep. So, you know, if he ends up at that number, it's going to be hard to leave him off. Who you got, Kip? Yeah, that's what I was thinking about Adam Anderson. Then I was trying to see uh, where he is right now in the in the, uh, in the sacks. I think he's tied for th- – uh, well, technically it's not third, but there's two guys on Florida's uh, defense with six sacks, and you, you kind of got some defensive linemen in there as well. But as far as, you know, if, if you're counting him at the outside linebacker position, I think he's, he's right in there. You know, in the mix with Blaze Aldridge, and uh, I think Britton Cox has six. You got J.J. Weaver as well. So I think he's in the mix and just kind of looking and, and seeing who George is still left to play. I think he's got a chance to, you know, to have double-digit sacks for sure. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, I think the over/under should probably be set at three. I think the the caveat to that question, I initially read it wrong, is that you know SEC first teamers. You know, I think that George is going to have an abundance of all, all SEC players. on Maybe a dozen. Yeah, at this rate. But as far as first team is concerned, you know, that they don't – there's not really a, a large margin for error there. It's going to be a crowded group in this conference. So I, I think, you know, like, like you said, Lewis Seen might not be able to make enough plays, you know, if we're talking about the – uh, the uh, the writers' picks. I mean, they're just going to probably look and see who has the most interceptions in the secondary, and kind of go from there. And it, you know, that might affect him, and you know, maybe help a guy like Chris Smith. He's already got two. Maybe he ends up with four or five. But as far as first team, I mean, they're just going to go through and look at kind of the names they already know. And I think, uh, you know, 
that might affect some of these guys. It might affect a guy like Devontae Wyatt as well as far as getting a first a first team nod uh, on on the writer's side. But you know, I think three is a safe bet, and I think there's easily three or four guys that could you know really emerge over the next month or so because there's going to be a lot of people watching Georgia play in the month of October. So I, I think that that number could easily go up uh, by the time November rolls around. Hey, it, as somebody who votes on this, you. You, you have to look at stats. So, I mean, I don't know what, you know, Mississippi State's cornerbacks look like most of the time. Um, you know, I usually kind of cross-reference what I see on a stat sheet with what I saw in person. And if I see a guy have a, you know, ball out against Georgia in person, um, I usually tend to favor that guy a little bit more because that guy's just impressive. So, you know, everybody's kind of got their own philosophy to go with. But I definitely – I mean, I don't just go – I don't just, like, roll down the – tackle for loss leaders and go, okay, there's a linebacker, there's a DB, there's a whatever. I don't do that. But, you know, there's a cross-reference surprise. I try to take it pretty seriously. And, uh, um, you know, I, I, I found myself watching more college football than I ever have before when I became a Heisman voter a couple years ago. And, geez, I, my wife's like, why are you watching this game? And I'm like, hey, I got to vote for the Heisman. I, I, me know, sorry. I, I got to vote for the Heisman. Look at that Heisman flex, Jake. But yeah, I had a, I mean, I thought I, 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 I saw vote. I like that's it. on my Twitter profile. I'm a Heisman voter, man. I like it. I'm a Heisman man. voter, baby. Man. Now, don't think when I got that vote that I didn't call everybody that I grew up with. I vote for the Heisman now. You know, I was so excited, man. But yeah, I mean, I, I use it as an excuse to watch football, and not do it, not no, yeah, exactly. the That's time. big time. It's your yeah. duty. By the way, I don't App have State, an excuse. By the way, App State plays Louisiana next Tuesday. That Tuesday and Wednesday night starts. So. Yeah, you a little baseball, a little college football, and you got don't, really, don't really know who I'm watching, but I, I need to be aware. You know, right. I'm, I right. might find the Heisman winner in that game. Uh, okay, Ooper Dog. I, you know, I'll be honest, I don't know who Ooper Dog is. I'm sorry if you've posted on the board. Maybe it's Hooper Dog. It's probably yeah, maybe that's the cutoff. It's Hooper yeah. Dog, probably. Yes, yeah, Hooper Dog. We we do, we do know you, Hooper Dog. Hooper Hooper. Question. JT Daniels doesn't get healthy, doesn't start the set and, and start the second half of the games this season. Uh, will he come back next year? Uh, listen, I don't know. It's a weak quarterback class. I think if he was going out in last year's quarterback class, probably very good chance. This year's quarterback class, I really don't know. And and the thing about it is, and and I almost know where Rusty's going to go with this, and I hate to head him off at the pass because mm-hmm. we talk about this all the time whenever we talk about guys going pro. All it takes is getting a couple, two or three good evaluations and you feel good about yourself and you're going to take your chances, bet on yourself. And you have to factor the injuries into this too. This cuts both ways, all right? What ha- what happens if he deals with an ankle next year? Well, then he's out of time basically. Maybe not quite out of time. I think he's got a COVID year. So everything goes into the pot there. I think there's a better chance now than there was to start the season. But with this quarterback class, for the time being, being as weak as it is, I mean, if if I'm advising JT Daniels, I'm saying take it to the wire because at this point, um, you know, it's, I don't know. This is one of the weaker quarterback classes I can ever remember as far as the, the 2022 NFL draft. And there's, there's – I speak to a lot of people. I'm always fascinated about who goes and who doesn't. Obviously, there were some guys from Georgia that made a decision a couple of years ago to go that probably wasn't the best decision on those guys. And Kirby Smart revamped his entire evaluation deal. When those guys left, uh, Holyfield, Isaac Nauder, and all those guys that probably should have came back for another year, what Kirby Smart did was he came in at the end of the summer 
and everybody did an NFL combine. And they, you knew exactly where you were, 40-wise, height and weight. It didn't matter what an agent was telling you. It didn't matter what a cousin was telling you. It didn't matter what your best friend was telling you. You knew what you ran, what and how you got a benchmark of how you were going to test right before the season started. And that's been a really good thing for Georgia players, I think, to know where you are and kind of where you project as opposed to somebody telling you something in December and then it not come to for, you know, it happened in, in May next year when you, you know, you think you run a four or five, but you wind up running a four, eight, one, and it don't help you any. So saying all of that, there's two sides of this at quarterback. It's a little bit different. Now here's, here's kind of the, the way the NFL has changed. It's about getting to the second contract. Now it's just like the NBA, the structure. Now, if you're not a first rounder and you're not even a second rounder, if you say, you know what, I'm going to the NFL and I'm going to get into this contract first, and I'm going to bet on myself to get to that second contract. And when you start hearing those terms, I bet on myself, those kids are gone. And I have not heard that from JT Daniels, but I know the thinking of why some kids leave. And Solomon Kelly was one of those guys. You know what I mean? He was one of those guys, I believe. Uh, some of those guys like that that left and they were third rounders. So, you look at – and still he's starting now, so he's closer to getting to his second contract. So the one thing I'll tell you about this is with JT Daniels, it's an extremely thin quarterback class, just like you said, Jake. Now, if JT Daniels says, you know what, I'm going to take this offseason and get myself healthy, I'm okay being a third or fourth rounder because I'm going to bet on myself. He's gone. But all those evaluations and all those things will be done after the season, how this one plays out. Uh, the only thing I would say that would lean me a little bit toward JT probably leaving uh, would, would be um, it's a thin class, man. It's an extremely thin quarterback class uh, in, in this upcoming group. Now, there'll be some guys pop up between now and then, but we knew last year the four or five guys that were going to be first-rounders right now and didn't really know that Mac Jones was going to get that high until he played the season he did. So uh, it's just about getting that second contract. You're going to have the information in front of you. But quarterback, just like high school quarterback recruiting, it's different. Those NFL quarterback evaluations and where you project is different. And are you going to say, I'm betting on myself and I'm going no matter what? Those questions will be answered later. Yeah, and, you know, that Mac Jones example could be a reason why JT might actually decide to come back because if he comes back sure. and put a monster season, then he may he may work himself into the first half, first round, top ten pick, top five pick, whatever. Kip, what's your take on this one? I think if he doesn't come back and and get himself some some more starts to get NFL teams more film to watch and to show that you know he can stay healthy, I think even with this quarterback class, you can't really put him in that top five or six guys. Uh, you know, I think you got Desmond Ritter, you got Sam Howell, Spencer Rattler, uh, Matt Corral, Malik Willis. It's gonna be tough to crack that group even with a good workout in the spring. So I think you're looking, you know, you're down there with the Carson Strongs, the you know, uh, Jaden Daniels, Tanner McKee, kind of that group. And, I mean, again, they got more film to put out there. So, I think right now, if you're JT, you've got, what, seven games of film in the in the last two years. You, you probably want to get the double digits. You want to be able to give scouts, uh, ten, you know, 10 games uh, to kind of look over. So, 
Yeah, I mean, if he doesn't come back and start, then this injury was, you know, lingering or something else popped up. So something's kind of happened. So I think his stock's going to take an even bigger hit. So, I mean, Rusty's right. You just want to get to the league and have a chance to to impress guys in camp and, 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 you know, have more time to stay healthy. But if you're JT, you know, you're a guy that, you know, has a chance to be maybe fringe first round, second round if, if he's healthy and, you know, he's able to – to put some good film out there and and play some important games for Georgia in the second half of the season, uh, you know that that right there is very valuable for NFL scouts. I mean, Georgia's got the type of offense and and they've got the opponents on, on deck to where you can really really showcase yourself to NFL scouts. So I think that if we're looking back on the season and, and JT Daniels didn't play, I think there's a, a bigger opportunity for him as far as draft stock to, to come back next year. It's still a personal decision. I mean, if he, if he, you know, him and his family, his circle don't care about where he's drafted. They just want to, you know, to, to take that next chapter, then, then that's what they're going to do. But I think it's pretty obvious if, as far as draft stock, he's not playing uh, the second half this year, then it makes sense for him to come back if that's important to him. All right. We need to go quick here through the next, uh, through the dog, uh, for the dogs 24 seven junkyard folks here so that we can get to some of these YouTube questions. So I'm going to answer these next two real fast. And then we're going to get to the third one before we move on break dog. How does the quarterback room play out next year? If JT comes back, JT's the starter. If he's healthy, uh, it's going to be hard to knock him off. He's played too much football. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I think that'll happen if Stetson comes back, then Stetson will probably be the backup. And then, you know, you're looking at hitting the reset button the, the following year, maybe, maybe you're, you know, you're, you'll be in, in 2023, you'll be what you thought you were going to be in 2022. Miller 1624 says, do you see Channing Tindall coming back for one more year? That one's tough because Channing Tindall's the guy that's on the rise. And if he continues his current trajectory, he gains very little from coming back as much as Georgia fans would love to see him go. But I also think Georgia's in incredible hands at inside linebacker. Tresman Marshall, get Ryan Davis healthy, Smile Munden, uh, Jamon Dumas-Johnson. I think Jamon Dumas-Johnson and Smile Munden um, get a chance to kind of announce themselves to the country. I, to be honest with you, I don't know that there's not a better chance of maybe N'Kobe Dean coming back than Channing Tindall coming back because Channing Tindall is ideal size, you know, fit for that position. N'Kobe Dean, you know, obviously the, I'm not saying academics are not important to Channing Tindall. N'Kobe Dean's an engineering major. He's made it no, you know, no, you know, secret that he is there to get an education. He's a 4.0 student. And I think that, that N'Kobe Dean would fit the bill of the type of Georgia player they've got to come back for their senior year. Um, in the past, because I just don't necessarily see him as a first round or second round or you know top fifty guy, just because of size alone. We'll see how that goes, but you know that's the knock I would have on him. Hube ten eighty six, what's up, Hube? We know you, man. Uh, for the Auburn game, and guys, let's do this one real quick. For the Auburn game, leading rusher, leading receiver. All right, over under. These are this is a lot of questions, Hube. You can't be doing this no more, man. Uh, <laughs> Uh, leading rusher, leading receiver, over under 250 yards passing, over under two passing touchdowns. Are we putting oh, his bed in like, for him? This is eight questions in one. Are we trying to put his bed in for him? <laughs> <laughs> We're making this man's parlay. Oh, right. my goodness. Uh, over under two WTF. That means what the uh, throws from Stetson Bennett. And then over under one defense. Oh, my man, Hugh. Hey, Hugh, you got to let me know, dude. Shoot me a DM and let me know where in the world have you found a place to bet over under WTF throws from a quarterback. I want to bet at that place. Um, listen, parlay on one game. 
listen, if y'all can slide through this thing and do the same thing I'm about to do, I would really appreciate it. Uh, leading rusher, I'm going to go Zamir White. Just think it's a good bet. He gets the most carries in most games, so I think that's going to be him. Leading receiver, I'm going to say A.D. Mitchell. I think A.D. Mitchell has a good game against the Tigers, over under 250 yards passing. I'm going to go under. I think Georgia will be over 200, under 250, over under two passing touchdowns. I'm going to say under. I think Georgia has one and, and, a, and maybe two or three rushing. Over under bad throws from Stetson. We'll just go ahead and call it that. Um, over, under over two, I'm going to say push. He gets away with one and he doesn't get away with another. Um, and then over under one defensive special teams touchdown, I'm going to say under. I don't think Georgia gets one. Rusty, just go down the line and I, answer. I, I'll take everything you got there, but I'm gonna I'll disagree. I'll go Brock Bowers. I think he gets back into the game plan this week. Uh, I think it's a guy that that, that they're going to do a lot of. Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of second level because there's going to be a lot of things. I think play, like play action type thing out of Stetson Bennett and and Scrant. I watched him last night against Auburn last year. He had a couple of balls scrambling on them, rolling out, and and he didn't have Brock Bowers last year. So I would agree with everything you just said, um, right on. And I'll take Bowers as a difference. I like Zamir White as well. Kip, where you at? Where you? What you got? Let's see. I'm going to go James Cook. He's going to have four runs, but one of them's going to be like a 40, 50 yarder that kind of gets him at the head of the uh, the group there. I like Brock Bowers as the lead receiver, kind of helping Stetson out. Like I said, they're going to try to attack him. He's going to have, have to try to improvise a little bit. And I think Brock's kind of that guy that's going to win those 50 50 battles no matter where he's at in the field. I, I saw it in, in my one practice uh, viewing of the last two years, as you mentioned in the last pod. I saw him do it uh, in about perfect coverage, you know, against uh, one of the best safeties in the conference. Uh, I'm going to go over on the on the passing yards. I think that it's going to be kind of a volume passing game for sets at Bennett here. Uh, I'm actually going to go push on two passing touchdowns. I'm going to go over on those bad sets and throws, but I agree with Jake. I think only one of them is probably going to cost Georgia with a potential turnover. I think one of them is going to be one of those where he kind of just uh, – look and go why'd you do that but he gets away with it and you know i i will actually go uh i'm gonna go under on defensive special teams touchdowns those are just a little you know those are tough and rare to call obviously george has done it more often than most on defense but special teams haven't really hit that one yet and it's tough to really predict that's going to happen in in, on any given saturday because it's just it's just so so random out there so that's they did hit one last week yeah all right, let's get into uh, these mailbag questions and the ones from our faithful YouTube listeners. Luke Johnson, does Big O, that's uh, Darnell Washington, if you've been living under a rock in Georgia circles. Uh, I have lost that question all of a sudden, but it was, uh, will Big O have a touchdown? I uh, will have a reception this week. I'm going to go with, yeah, I think he gets there. I think they get him involved in play action and they work off of what they did last week, which they put him in there and they just mauled people in the run game. I think they get it to him in play action this week. Rusty, what you got on that one? Yeah, I think he gets the targets. Uh, he he played. He actually played a little bit more than I thought last week. I thought yeah. he'd be one or two plays, and I don't know how many he got, five or six, but he was pretty physical, dude. That'll be a big, he'll be important this week. But uh, I was told he had a real good practice on Monday, and I think he's gonna get. I think he'll get multiple targets. Yeah, I think we're looking at Darnell Washington being a hundred percent, maybe you know, it's definitely real. by Florida. You know, definitely after that bye week. Um, and still, you know, playing himself into a little uh, little game shape. Kip, what are you saying? Reception or no for Darnell Washington? 
Yeah, I think he gets two. I think he gets a couple receptions. Uh, he looked pretty good out there, and a little bit of practice we saw. I don't think he's uh, there yet as far as being as you know, as fluid as he want. But I mean, if you got a six foot seven guy that's that's able to catch passes, then you, you want to give him the opportunity to catch passes. And I, I think that's a guy that can really help uh, Stetson out if he's going to have to, you know, toss a couple up and, and hope for the best. Uh, definitely. Darnell's the guy that can they can make it happen as good as anybody. You, you, you can't really defend that. You could have perfect coverage and you're still you're not six seven. Darnell Washington St. Jack. I'm gonna start throwing St. Jack on the end of everybody's name on Georgia's Jack. team. Saint Jack. Been at the fourth St. Jack. Saint All Jack. right. Uh next question. What would you say the strength of this Auburn team is right now? And uh, you know, I don't think this Auburn team is bad at anything. Like I, that's, and and to me, that in and of itself is a little bit of a strength through five games. I don't really see a consistent, like, you know, oh my God, they, they're terrible here. But I would say the strength is the running backs. I mean, I think Jarquez Hunter and and Tank Bigsby, if he's completely healthy, those are some really good football players. And I've, I've been really impressed with Jarquez Hunter this year. I think he's a good football player and a guy that Georgia's going to have to deal with for a little while. And, uh, and, 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 you know, Mike Bobo has shown that he knows how to use him. Um, I would say running backs. Rusty, what do you got on Auburn? I, I, absolutely. I mean, he that that freshman can go. You know, he he's got some bounce to him. He's hard to tackle. We all everybody knows, obviously, with Tank Bigsby, uh, who he is. I, I think it's Auburn's running game. Uh, we all covered Mike Bobo long enough to know that Mike Bobo wants to run the football and to try to set up other things. So. You know, you look at Auburn, and maybe this isn't the best matchup against Georgia to try to run the ball. But you look at them. He asked what the strength of their team is right now, and that's the strength of their team. I don't think they're. I don't think I've seen better Auburn teams out on the edge, especially the playmakers or wide receivers. Uh, but I think right now, the strength of their team is this running game. Yep, Kip, what you got? Yeah, it's interesting because the LSU game. I mean, Tank Tank Bixby was kind of a non-factor in that game, and yet they're still able to you know, to to run for well over 100 yards. I think they, they had 163 rushing yards in that game. So for me, it's not just Tank Bixby. It's the fact that they have a now, I mean, they have a dynamic quarterback as well. You know, I, I think it's just, you look at so far this year in the SEC and we've gotten some separation so far that we think uh, at the top, but the quarterback play has not been very consistent or strong. But if, if if you have the good Bo Nix on the field, it's he's one of the most talented quarterbacks in the conference, and he showed it in that game. I mean, what he did against LSU, at you know at the quarterback position. I mean, you can't. It's you you can play what you think is perfect defense, and he can still make some plays. Now, is he going to be able to do that against Georgia consistently? I you know I have my doubts, but as far as what's impressed me. Just the fact that they thought they were making a, you know, they were getting towards making a change at quarterback. They started rotating guys in. And not only did Bo Nix, you know, kind of give up or get frustrated, he just, you know, he just went to work and practice, kept his head down, focused on what the task at hand. And when his name was called, he came in there and not only gave them stability, gave them stellar elite quarterback play. And so, I mean, that's kind of what's special about Auburn right now. Uh, we, I mean, again, it's about Bo Nix being able to do it consistently. And, and if he can, I mean, if the light goes on, uh, you know, they, they are a team that you do not want to play. I mean, they're a team that the, the other teams in the conference will fear. Now, is LSU 
you know, they're not playing good football this year. So we have to kind of take that into context as well. The the defense hasn't really been, you know, what we thought they would be at all. They're not playing disciplined at all. And they actually are allowing things to break down in a lot of plays against him. But they had him in the backfield multiple times. He broke free. So that's just something that's that's a special trait. And we're always watching the quarterback position. So I think if you have a quarterback who can run, it just opens things up for everybody else. And I I, I love Jarquez Hunter. I think he was uh, – I don't know if it was powerlifting champion, but I know weightlifting was was in that background as well. And so uh, it's, he's a guy that, again, if you're taking snaps away from Tank Bigsby, you know you're pretty talented. And, and he showed some, some big-time, you know, breakaway speed and power in that game. So I, I think – that's something Auburn's been missing the last couple of years. It's just a, a featured running game. They couldn't find – they didn't know what they had. They tried so many guys back there, and it really set them back offensively. And now it looks like they got a couple guys they can depend on. They have a quarterback who can run the ball as well. So it just gives them a lot of weapons back there to make things happen when maybe they're that, that wide receiver group, which you know isn't the strongest in the conference, they're able to make something happen. I think that those other guys can make something happen for them when they need them to. All right, let's do one more. Curtis Maximus, one, two, three. And I want to do this too. Uh, Thomas Newman was the last question, by the way. Thomas, I want to give you a shout out uh, since uh, we used your question for sure. Curtis Maximus, one, two, three. Defensive MVP of the season. Um, I think this is a two-man battle right now. This is Jordan Davis or N'Kobe Dean. And I'm going to continue to disrespect big fellas in the defensive line. And I'm going to go N'Kobe Dean just because he's doing so much. And I know he does a lot of it because of what Jordan Davis does. But N'Kobe Dean is just making so many stinking plays right now. And there's this emotional leadership thing there with him right now that that is almost – I don't think N'Kobe Dean's as good as Roquan Smith. I don't think very many people in the entire world are uh, at the college football game. But I think N'Kobe Dean's doing some Roquan-esque type stuff for Georgia this season. Rusty, what you got? I love it. You, you watch those two plays against Arkansas – and those two running backs tried to square N'Kobe Dean up, and he had no part of it. First of all, he he rips through the center, and then the, the running back's there to take him on. And, man, it, was, it wasn't even close. I mean, he, he he bulldogged him for a better term and just sacked the quarterback, chases people down sideline to sideline. I will say I, I one of our guys here, uh, Jordan Harris, mentions Jalen Carter. That would be number two for me because right now – and people ask me all the time about Jordan. Jordan Davis is a freak show, unbelievable football player. But he comes out on third down. That's that's okay, people. That that's okay. You got to get a big man out. Jalen Carter is a three-down defensive tackle, freak show athlete as well. Who, oh by the way, can block at fullback collision. You have to separate these things. I mean, there's there's dividers among these players. It doesn't mean I'm knocking on Jordan Davis, but Jalen Carter, defensive line. He, he might be the highest draft picked of all those guys right now yeah. and it's all said and done in two years. But I go with you right now to Kobe Dean's my guy as MVP so far. And Jalen Carter's doing something every game to Ooh. to to get himself Ooh. something or to give it to somebody else. I mean, Ooh. he's creating something for himself or something for somebody else in every game. I just think Jordan Davis is just – there's that ripple effect with him being on the field. And he is playing yes. some third down more than he ever has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean – Defensive MVP. Oh, sorry, Russell, what you got? No, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, people are like, man, you. Ri- I'm not ripping on Jordan Davis. But, I mean, Jordan Davis makes everybody around him better because he he, he requires so much attention. And, man, that's a large human walking pregame on sidelines. Kip, 
Who you got? I mean, if Jordan Davis was playing, uh, you know, 30 – if he was playing 30 snaps a game, I don't think it would be close. I mean, he, yep. you know, they can't – if they can get him out there, you know, well, one, they haven't needed him. I mean, obviously, what, he played like six, nine snaps against Vanderbilt. They haven't needed him that much. So, he might be the MVP toward the end of the year if they need him in some big games, if there's some close games. Yeah, nobody else has a Jordan Davis. But, I mean, it has to be N'Kobe Dean. You, you look at what they're doing on the defensive line, whether it's Adam Anderson, whether it's, I mean, Nolan Smith, Devontae Wyatt, Jalen Carter. I mean, Jalen Carter's out there making plays on offense. You know, block blocking three guys at once, uh, you know, that's that that definitely gets you on the highlight reel, and it did. But uh, N'Kobe Dean's making sure they're all in the right position and the right play before the snap, too. I mean, he's, he's, he's making sure he's, not, he's setting everyone on that defense up for success. And I, I think just the what he does before the ball snapped and then making sure that they, you know, that that everyone's lined up correctly, communicating everyone and then making so many plays himself. It, it's tough to really argue with what he's been able to do. I mean, he's also approaching double digit quarterback hurries and Georgia tracks that stat. Adam Anderson leads the team with 10. I think Jalen Carter's got nine. Devonta Wyatt's got eight. And Kobe's got nine as well. You know, with those four tackles for loss, so he's you know he's 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 making plays. He's helping everybody else make plays. He's the leader and you know the heart and soul of that defense. I thought College Game Day did a pretty good feature on 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 him and and the guys, the defense before the game last week. Just how much he means to that defense. You could look, you see Nolan Smith, you see Adam Anderson, the other guys in that room. It's pretty clear that they all respect and, and really. They know what they have in the Kobe Dean being in the middle of that defense and how much it means to, to all of them. So, I mean, he's the leader of, of the most talented defense in the country. It's hard not to have him as the MVP. And I think Georgia's had some pretty special inside linebacker play. And we obviously know the guy that set the bar there in Roquan Smith. And it's really, really tough to, to kind of match that. But Kobe Dean, he's had that that season so far. You know, I think he's got a couple uh, – you know, big time plays left in him. And I, I think he's going to, you know, I don't know about award season, but as far as Georgia's awards at the, you know, halfway point of the season, I think everyone on the team will kind of agree that, that he's kind of been that the guy that's the guy that stirred the drink so far. As uh, Tony Schiavone would say, we are desperately out of time. All right. We, uh, we, this is one of the longest, uh, longest podcasts we've done in a while. Longest live Man, shows yeah. we've done in a while. Uh, I got to write something today, guys, or I'm going to get fired. So I got to, I got to go put some, got to get it on the word processor. I want to make one note here, though, guys, and I think this is, this may change the way I pick this game. Georgia sent Payne Walker, long snapper, up to talk to us on Monday. They're sending their other long snapper, William Moat up to talk to us on Wednesday, Georgia by 50. Georgia by 50. They're sending the long snappers up. Uh, Kirby's, playing, Kirby's playing chess, not checkers. 3D chess. It's it's over. Auburn doesn't have a chance. Obviously, that's very facetious there, but it's just funny. Big game weeks like this, rivalry weeks, the interview list is about as bad as it could possibly get. And uh, Kirby's throwing us long snappers. Uh, I, I wonder how many people out there know who William Mode is. Mm. Yeah, so that's where we're at. But, hey, guys, guys, we had a great time. We'll be back with you tomorrow for picks. But for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast, I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. A Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell from the same place. And as always, take it easy.